You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, all around Australia. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Peter Watts back in the studio. And of course, every Thursday, uh, he continues his series, Searching for Certainty. Welcome, Peter. Good to be here, Jason. Thank you. It's good to have you back in the studio. Now, Peter, I'm going to ask you an interesting question. I guess uh, it's the sort of question you might ask when you've camped around a, a, a bushfire, you know, like a campfire <laughs> at night. I remember when I was young, you know, people would share these uh, scary stories. Sharing scary <laughs> stories. What was the scariest moment in your life, Peter? Uh, well, probably... I mean, I suppose I could think of a few things, but I think one of the, I would say the scariest night of my life, I remember being in New York City once, um, and this was in 1991, and New York City had a reputation for being a pretty rough town back then. I think they did clear it up, clean it up a little bit a few years later, but um, back in 1991, it was pretty rough, and I... Um, I, I, I was between jobs. I, I was I was finishing one job and starting another, and I had a week off. They'd given me a week off, and uh, I, I thought, what can I do with a week when nobody else has got the week off, and I can go, where can I go where I'm not going to be bored? Were you in Australia I was or in, UK? No, I was in the UK. Yeah, right. I thought, I could go to New York City. Let's go to New York City for a week. Mm. Lots to see there. So I went to New York City, and um, I remember... Uh, I, I did know somebody who worked there and I caught up with them and ended up staying in a, a, a somebody loaned me a room in Brooklyn. Anyway, I was in Manhattan one night. We'd gone to a cinema. It was one o'clock in the morning. We'd come out of the cinema. It was one o'clock in the morning. I was with three other people. And uh, I suddenly realised that everyone said, OK, fair enough, right, we'll see you then. And off they went into their different... And I thought, oh, I've got to get from Manhattan to Brooklyn at one o'clock in the morning and, you know, on the subway. Mm. I mean, I suppose I could have taken a cab. That one might have been uh, a wiser choice. But I took <laughs> the subway and, like, everybody who was on the subway at that time looked like a mad axe murderer. Mm. And uh, I was terrified. And nobody looks at you in the eye, you know, and so you're looking away trying not to make eye contact. And uh, it was pretty terrifying. And inside the subway trains... They had, a, there were at least two ads that I saw, victim support group, have you just been mugged, call this number. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that doesn't, that doesn't bode well. It doesn't, doesn't instill a lot of confidence. And I was absolutely terrified through that whole journey. I got off the train at Brooklyn, I ran all the way to the apartment, got in the door and I felt safe. Mm. And uh, that was, yeah, that was the scariest I've ever felt. Even though the I don't know how palpable the danger was, but it was it felt it felt yeah. it felt yeah, dangerous. Right. Yeah. Well, I just uh, want to remind our listeners that you can catch our past episodes on the Faith FM app or the Faith FM website. The app you can download from the app stores on your Google or Android. Uh, sorry, Android or. Um, or Apple device and uh, search for the Faith of M Australia app and you can download that and listen to all of our past shows. Uh, also on the Faith of M website, faithfm.com.au, you can also find our shows there um, under the listen menu and uh, yeah, catch up with all our past episodes. 
Um, Peter, we've got a book offer later coming up today, and today we've got restricted numbers to give away, uh, mm. five copies of the book today. So write this number down, and the first five in will get a copy of today's book offer. 0488 is the number. And, of course, we'll have some questions. And if you'd like to share any feedback or uh, respond to some of the questions, we'd love to hear from you today on 0488 So uh, the seven last plagues, Peter, that... Uh it's an interesting topic to talk about. Yeah, so today we're talking about the seven last plagues and people might sort of think about that and say, well, why on earth would you want to talk about the seven last plagues? Can't we think of something more pleasant to, to talk about? And of course, I would remind uh, people that um, this is episode 30, I think, since May. It is. That we have been uh, recording on the radio and, and uh, speaking on the radio. So, um, so this isn't the first thing we've looked at, right? This is episode 30, but it is in the Bible. Bible. Mm. And so uh, what's more, it's in the book of the Bible called the book of Revelation. And clearly the things in the book of Revelation, in fact, the book of Revelation is the only book of the Bible that contains a blessing at the beginning of the book saying, if you read, keep and, you know, and understand these prophecies, you will be blessed. Mm. So if, if it's a part of that book, then we want to read about it because we want to understand it and how it relates to the end of time. I think that, that's actually an instruction of the book, isn't it, to, to read and understand? Yeah, mm. so those who read, hear and understand. And mm. so, and also, by the way, the very first line of the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm. So if this is from Jesus, then I think we ought to want to know about it. And so we want to try and unpack this very interesting subject of the seven last plagues. What is it all about? You know, we uh, are currently, of course, living through the pandemic of the coronavirus. Mm. And some people might wonder, well, is that one of the plagues? Is, mm. is that uh, one of the seven last plagues? And I can confidently tell people it is not one of the seven last plagues. It might be a modern day plague, mm. but it's not one of the seven last plagues because mm. they are described in the Bible. And we're going to take a little look at those. Um, so there was a, a, a TV series back in 2008. It was uh, screened on SBS and it was called Return of the Bible Plagues. I mean, that was on television uh, five, five weeks in a row. Return of the Bible Plagues and the subtitle, well, the introduction, it said the Bible called them plagues. Today we call them natural disasters, but the Bible plagues are back. And now, uh, is it referring to the seven last plagues or no, other plagues? It, well, it's not. It's really it's it's actually talking about. Uh, it does did reference the plagues that fell on Egypt. Egypt, yeah. Um, but it also talks about some of the natural disasters that have occurred in recent years. Okay. Um, and you know we have talked about in previous episodes, Jason, how some of the signs of the times and some of the increase in. Uh, frequency and intensity of some of the natural disasters that we see around the world. But the seven last plagues are different again, and we want to see what the Bible has to say about it. Mm. When we come to the book of Revelation, there are really two major keys that we want to understand the book of Revelation. These are not the only interpretive tools that we have, but these are two major keys to understanding the book of Revelation. Number one, it's Jesus Christ, mm. because it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we yeah. see Jesus pictured in many ways throughout the book of Revelation. Uh, he's described as the lamb. Uh, he's pictured as a priest. Um, he is uh, pictured as the lion of Judah and so forth. 
Um, then, of course, the second key to understanding Revelation is the Old Testament. That is to say that the book of Revelation picks up stories, ideas, lessons from the Old Testament and uses that language to help us to understand what is happening through history and what will happen at the end of time. And so uh, that's what we want to understand. So the first thing we want to look at is where do we find these seven last plagues? And we're going to go to Revelation 15 and verse 1. And uh, I don't know if you've got that. You haven't got that there, Jason. I'll read it here. It says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. Now, first of all, I want to say something about the wrath of God. The wrath of God is poured out against sin. Sin is the problem in our world. Sin is what causes disease, disaster, and death. So sin is the problem, all right? God mm. wants to eradicate sin. He wants to eradicate it from our lives. He wants to eradicate it from the world. He wants to eradicate it from the universe. It's like a cancer, okay? So God is, you know, nobody would complain if God got rid of cancer, right? Mm. Um, and so uh, sin is like that. So when we talk about the wrath of God, the wrath of God is poured out against sin. And you have, um, it says here, seven last plagues. Now, what that, the point of that is that these plagues, they're called the seven last plagues. They're not the only plagues mentioned in the Bible, but they're called the seven last plagues because they are the last thing to happen mm. before Jesus returns and takes us home to heaven. So that's what they are referring to. Now, people might be asking, why on earth would God pour out seven last plagues at the end of time. I thought God was a loving God. I thought God was a caring God. What is really that all about? And we do have to understand it in a context. Sometimes people will take passages from the Bible and they will read them in isolation and say, look how judgmental God is. Look how terrible God is. Look at this dark passage of Scripture. How? Why would you ever want to read that or why would you ever want to share it? But it's always in context. So I was uh, listening once to somebody who was saying, if you had a medical book, but all you got to look at were pictures of the cancer and pictures of disease uh, and pictures of uh, blackened lungs, for instance, why would you want that book in your house? Well, those pictures are in that book in the context of the solution. Mm. It's a medical book. They are there as examples of the problem and then how those problems are solved uh, or avoided. And so um, that's important for us to understand. So the seven last plagues are in a specific con context. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about why are the seven plagues, last plagues there? What's happening in the world at that time that triggers the pouring out of these seven last plagues? That's something we need to uh, delve into mm. and uh, understand. I'm going to ask a question of our listeners today. What's your favourite story from the Bible of divine deliverance? Or perhaps you've had your own personal experience of divine deliverance. Share with us your story, either your favourite story from the Bible or your own personal story. We'd love to hear from you on 0488 Text us in your story, whether it be a Bible story of divine deliverance or your own personal story. This song is It's All About God by Linda Shelton. Moses led God's people to 
the sea Pharaoh's army followed fervently When he raised the rod It was a move of God It's a glory and a story The day the Red Sea moved Oh, it's not about me It's not about you Not about what we say and do program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and uh, this morning we're talking with Peter Watts on the sub- subject of the seven last plagues. Now just before the break we asked you a question. What's your favourite story from the Bible or of de- divine deliverance or perhaps you've had your own story of divine deliverance that you'd like to share with us. So what's your favourite story from the Bible of divine deliverance? Or if uh, you don't have a favourite story from the Bible, perhaps you've had your own experience of divine deliverance. We'd love you to text us in on 0488 Now, Peter, before we went to the break, we got on to the question of why seven last plagues poured out on the earth. Mm. We need to delve in and answer this question. Absolutely. So we said that 
A, they're the last things to happen before Jesus comes. And you've just, uh, you know, asked our listener question there, you know, describe a time when you, you, you've experienced divine deliverance. The, the key to the seven last plagues is that they are about God's deliverance. It's a way of God delivering his people. And we'll talk a little more about that. What's happening in the end time in the book of Revelation, we find in Revelation 13, is the forces of darkness are conspiring against God's people to the point that they actually issue a death threat that they're going they're determined to uh, kill off those who want to be faithful to god and if you read a passage like revelation 13 15 i think you've got that there you'll see what i mean it says he was granted power to give uh, give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now we've covered some of this in previous episodes, but just to to point out, people are caused people are being caused to worship the image of the beast, and if they refuse, because the Bible says, "Do not worship images," right? The second mm. commandment. Mm. If they refuse, there is a, a a decree to issued to kill them, and basically the seven last plagues are poured out as a response to this death decree. Now, of course, this has occurred in other places in the Bible. Daniel chapter 3, they were literally called to bow down and worship an image, and if they wouldn't, they were going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. But God stepped in and delivered them from that uh, persecution. Okay, uh, The time of the book of Esther, God's people, a law was made to mm. wipe out God's people. Again, God uh, intervened, answered their prayers, and, and was able to save God's people there. So, so many examples. There are many of, examples in scriptures. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And largely because I find in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21, I'm going to get you to read this, but basically it is light and darkness don't commingle. Mm. You know, uh, darkness cannot exist in the presence of light and vice versa. So, you know, when you turn on a light in a dark room, the darkness disappears. Um, but I want you to read uh, Jesus' words in John three nineteen and 21. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. All right, so the passage, the, the, the little phrase there, it says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Mm. And, and what you have is the forces of darkness at the end of time trying to extinguish the light. That is God's people. Mm. You know, but Jesus said, let your light so shine, you know, uh, before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. So the, the devil is marshalling the forces of darkness to put out the light. And it is at that point that God steps in and pours out the seven last plagues. So in a way, they are poured out as God's response to this death decree, as this attempt to annihilate God's people. God steps in, defends his people pours out the seven last plagues, and at the end of those plagues, we are delivered and taken to heaven. So it's a, a form of, of, of God saving us. And then, of course, uh, the other thing to mention here is these plagues do not fall until everybody's made their decision for one side or the other. Are we going to choose light or darkness? Are we going to choose Christ or Antichrist? Are we going to choose Jesus or the forces of evil? Mm. And... Uh, 
when those decisions have been made, that's when the, the seven last plagues are, are poured out in response to this death decree. If you go to Revelation twenty two eleven, it talks about when this the the curtain has been sort of drawn and and people have made their decisions. It says, "He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy." Let him be holy still. All right. There's so a, there's a, a a line in the sand. There is, there is. Mm. So people have made their decisions for good or evil, and that's where they're going to stick. Mm. Let's let's read. We'll go to Revelation 15 now. We're going to read verses one to four, and uh, this really sets up uh, the the introduction, if you like, to the seven last plagues. It says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvellous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. All right, thank you so much. So, there we have the introduction to the seven last plagues. The, the seven last plagues in description of each of the plagues are actually found in Revelation 16. And maybe our listeners can go there and, and read them individually, um, you know, at some point. And we're going to reference them in terms of uh, each of the plagues. But what you have here, if you think about it, in Revelation 15, 1 to 4, you have plagues, you have the song of Moses, you have the Lamb, you have the deliverance of God's people. Now, where else in the Bible do we find plagues, Moses, the Lamb, and deliverance of God's people? That uh, sounds like the exodus of uh, the Israelites out of Egypt. That's exactly right. It's the exodus. And, of course, what you have here is the book of Revelation using that story of the exodus to foreshadow what will take place at the end of time as God delivers his people. Mm. So let's go back there. Let's go back to Exodus. And if we examine the plagues in Exodus and compare them with the seven last plagues, there is some correlation. So first of all, people will notice, they'll say, hang on, how many plagues were there in the Exodus? There were ten, I'm sure. <laughs> there were. There were ten plagues that fell at the time of the Exodus. And we, of course, have seven last plagues. So, you know, why is there ten there and seven at the end? First of all, it's worth noting the first three plagues that fell on Egypt were general in nature. That means they affected even the Israelites mm. as well as the Egyptians. But interestingly enough, from the fourth one onwards, in other words, the seven last plagues that fell on Egypt only affected the Egyptians. They only affected those who were trying to keep God's people captive. In a way, they were the seven last plagues of the exactly. uh, uh, Israelites. <laughs> exactly. So if you like, the first three plagues were general in nature. Then you have seven last plagues and then the deliverance of mm. God's people. Mm. We could even say here, Jason, that before the seven last plagues fall, 
there will be a deterioration in conditions on planet Earth. We will have a, a greater frequency and a greater intensity of natural disasters. And we could say, well, maybe they're the first three, you know, little time of trouble, if you like before the great time of trouble, which is the seven last plagues. So there is that correlation. Then if you compare them side by side, I'm going to just read through these. Um, in Exodus, you have water turning to blood. That's the first plague. Mm. Then there's the plague of frogs. Then the plague of lice. Then flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, the plague of darkness, and the plague of the firstborn, the death of the firstborn. Those are the ten plagues that fell on the Exodus. And now I'm going to read you the ones from Revelation, which are found described in detail in Revelation 16. And people may want to go and read that whole chapter uh, at some point. But in Revelation, uh, the seven last plagues, you have the first one is sores and boils. The second one is the sea turning to blood. The third one is rivers turning to blood. Then you have uh, the sun given power to scorch people then you've got the plague of darkness the fifth one unclean spirits like frogs it says in in the sixth one and then the seventh one there's an earthquake and great hail and if you look at that there's some correlation between them in fact uh i think six of the six of them have a correlation from the seven last plagues six of them have a correlation with one of the plagues that fell on egypt mm. the only one that doesn't is the fourth one that is poured out upon the sun, which is very interesting. Um, we talked a little bit about that um, in relation to uh, sun worship in the past in some of our previous uh, programs. So you have a, a correlation between these two things. You may remember in the Exodus story, maybe our listeners have heard, that when God was preparing to um, uh, deliver them from Egypt, he told them to take a lamb to sacrifice that lamb and then to put some of that lamb's blood on their doorposts. And then when the, the uh, angel flew over for the last plague, the tenth plague, they would see the blood on the doorpost. And if you were under the blood of the lamb, you were safe. And that was a symbolic teaching for us, that if we are under the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, mm. then we are safe. Yeah, uh, And there's a lesson there. And we'll talk some more about it when we come back. So much uh, uh, correlation. Symbolism. Yeah, and symbolism. A lot of symbolism. I guess that's that's so much about the Old Testament, isn't it, that it's points to Jesus. So, it's so much Every of the Old page. Testament points to Jesus, and even in this, the plagues mm. points to mm. the... Uh, what is it? The divine um, deliverance that uh, that he provides. Hmm. We're going to go to a break. Uh, now, just before we do, I'll remind you of our question. What is your favorite story from the Bible of divine deliverance? Or perhaps you've had your own personal story of divine deliverance that you'd like to share with us. Text us in on 0488880891. This is Hope of the Broken World by Sila. darkness the spirit's moving upon the waters you spoke the words let there be light out of the chaos came the promise the universe rose and applauded when you commanded the newborn sun to rise you are the day spring you are the morning star 
listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and this morning we're speaking with Peter Watts on the topic of the seven last plagues. Now before the break uh, we were talking about the the connection between the plagues mm. of Egypt back in the Old Testament and how they correlate to the, the seven last plagues here and uh, we're also talking about the blood on the doorpost. Now, Peter, yeah. um, tell us more about that. Yeah, so we were just mentioning that the last plague that fell on Egypt was the death of the firstborn, that the, the angel flew over and every firstborn in Egypt died unless they were under the blood of the lamb. So they had taken a lamb, sacrificed it, put the blood on the doorpost, and when the angel saw the blood he would pass over in fact i'll get you to read that jason it's in exodus 12 12 and 13 for i will pass through the land of egypt on that night 
and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. All right. So there's two things I want to pick up out of this passage. Number one, you know, we, we hear sometimes, uh, you know, the Jewish Passover feast and they celebrate that every year, right? It's a major part of the Jewish religion. Mm. And we think Passover, yes, isn't that nice and whatever. But we actually forget what it means. And it's actually referring to this story where the angel passed over those houses that had the blood of the lamb on them. And so there's two things I want to, want you to notice from this passage. First of all, it says to execute judgment against the gods of Egypt. Mm. When you look at where the plagues fell in, in the, um, the ten plagues that fell on Egypt, they were against their gods. They had gods for everything. You know, so the Nile was a god. So the water was turned into blood uh, because God was demonstrating that the Nile was not a god, but he was God. Mm. He had created the water. The Nile didn't create anything else, you know. And so it was against the this was all about who do you worship? And it was uh, um, against the, the gods of Egypt. And the second point is that the angel passed over those houses that had the blood of the lamb. So if you were under the blood of the lamb, you were saved, and that's how they were delivered. Uh, and this is why there's a correlation between those plagues and the seven last plagues. It's the way in which God is going to deliver his people. Mm. Now, I just want to um, pause and, and mention 1 Corinthians 5, 7, because it tells us that Jesus is our Passover. So here in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that's sin, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. So it's clearly identifying Jesus as our Passover lamb. Right? Now it's interesting to note that Jesus on the cross took upon himself the wrath of God against sin. Okay, mm. Jesus stood in the place of judgment against sin. So instead of God judging us for the sins that we have committed, Jesus said, I will take that punishment. I will take that judgment so that you can be saved. That's incredible grace. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing for just God to say, look, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you go. I'll just forgive you. But no, God in his justice recognized that somebody has to pay the penalty and Jesus paid that penalty for us. It's incredible sacrifice that Jesus went through that you and I could have the hope of salvation. Absolutely marvelous. But I believe that Jesus actually suffered the seven last plagues even on the cross. He was exposed to those seven last plagues on the cross. He took the wrath of God against sin for us so that we don't have to. But when you reject Jesus, when you reject God, when you embrace sin, then God's wrath against sin is going to be poured out at the end of time. And I've said this before in a previous program, I think, Jason, if we embrace sin, we will share its fate. Mm. Absolutely. So we have to re you know, deliver our sins and let Jesus deal with them. That's why he came. So Jesus not only died for us, he suffered for us. And I want you to notice this. If you look at uh, Matthew 27, uh, verses 26 through 52, we see the events in Jesus' life as he was on the cross. So, for instance, before he went to the cross, Jesus was scourged. His whole body became an open sore. 
and the first plague of the seven last plagues is, is a sore. Mm. Um, rotten wine was given to him to quench his thirst on the cross. You know, the, 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 the water was turned into blood. And so here instead of, he said, I thirst, but they didn't give him water to drink. Mm. They gave him something that was wholly unpalatable. Mm. Um, then you have the third one, uh, blood and water came from his side. In John chapter 19, verse 34, they plunged a spear into his side to make sure he was dead and blood and water came out. Um, and then you've got, uh, he was crucified naked in the hot sun. They stripped him of his clothes. And he hung out there in the sun, in the midday sun, scorched by the sun. Then you have, there was darkness at noon. So after that, then the, the earth turned dark in the middle of the day. How did that happen? That's one of the plagues, both in Egypt and in the seven last plagues. Darkness is one of the plagues. He experienced that on our behalf. Um, he endured taunts of demonic opposition. It talks about the spirits of demons in the, the sixth plague. But there were people around the cross saying, if you are the son of God, save yourself. You know, and they were despising him and mocking him, even as he's dying on the cross for their sins. And then finally, there was a massive earthquake when Jesus died on the cross. And that was the, the seventh plague that you find in the seven last plagues. So I believe Jesus suffered the seven last plagues himself while on the cross for us. And then he died in order to pay the price and provide the blood of the lamb for us so that we can be spared and delivered from mm. our sins. So mm. there's an, an interesting correlation there. Um, I, was just, I was just thinking, Peter, about that darkness as well. There mm. was a physical darkness, but there's another type of darkness, I guess, with that separation from God that, that Christ, when he died, he was separated from God for a period of time. Absolutely. Mm. We read earlier that the words of Jesus, um, the, the people who love evil hate the light. Mm. Mm. Right. And so in a way, this is the forces of darkness conspiring against Jesus, the son of God. Mm. He is taking that upon himself mm. in order that we might have light. Mm. And uh, it is, it's, it's a wonderful parallel. It's interesting to note, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, we have in Deuteronomy 28 a, uh, a series of blessings and cursings. Basically, God says, uh, I'm bringing you out of the land of Egypt. I'm taking you to the promised land. It's going to be good for you. I'm giving you these principles to live by. And if you live by these principles, you're going to receive blessing after blessing after blessing. But if you reject these principles and you go uh, craving after other gods, as the Egyptians did, then curses will come upon you as a natural consequence mm. of, of that turning away from God. It's like I'm under a, an umbrella. It's pouring with rain. If I step out from under that umbrella, gonna I'm going to get wet. Get wet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, or, or a shade umbrella. If you step yeah. out, you're going to get burnt. <laughs> and you look at some of the curses that are found there in Deuteronomy 28. You have boils and tumors. You have thirst. You have the sky as bronze, dust for rain in in other words, there was no rain falling, um, that, you know, the, the, the sun was shining. There's darkness at noon. We've read about that in Deuteronomy as one of the curses overcome by enemy forces. So a lot of these consequences are repeated in other places in the scriptures. And so uh, just as in the story of the Exodus, if we put our faith in the blood of the Lamb, then we are covered. Mm. And Jesus has already experienced the seven last plagues for us. He's experienced death on our behalf. He has delivered to us uh, salvation. 
and we can have full trust in Jesus as the Lamb of God. We'll be under his blood and uh, God will protect us through the seven last plagues and it's through those plagues that he's going to end up delivering his people. As the forces of darkness try to eliminate the children of light, uh, and we only become children of light by accepting Jesus, who's the light of the world. We we don't have it in ourselves. It's it's when he dwells in us that we become the light of the world. Uh, but as we embrace that, uh, God will cover us. He mm. will hide us. He will shelter us. He will deliver us. Uh, and that's really the principal message of the seven last plagues. We've got a book offer today, and now's the time to tell you about it. I should have probably told you about it before, but uh, Last Day Events is the title of the book today, Is Jesus About to Come? This book uh, takes the events of the end times and puts them into sequential order based on Scripture. It uh, contains excerpts from the writings of Ellen G. White, who many believe was inspired by God. We've got five copies of this book today, Last Day Events, uh, right after the break, we will uh, give you the code for this to claim your book offer, your free book, but only five copies today to give away. So um, we were just talking about that need to uh, embrace Jesus, and this song is called Give Me Jesus. So I think it's very relevant to what we've been talking about, Peter. This is Jeremy Camp, Give Me Jesus.
dumb to die. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. Jeremy Camp with Give Me Jesus. Now, just before the break, we promised the code for our book giveaway today. Last day events is Jesus about to come, uh, and this is based on excerpts from Ellen G. White. So uh, today's book offer code is search and the number thirty. Search thirty. Search three zero. No spaces. Text that into zero four eight eight. Eight eight zero eight nine one. The first five in will receive that book offer today. Peter, we've got uh, six and a half minutes left, and uh, there's still a bit left to to cover in this. So we better yeah. get into it. <laughs> so we we talked about uh, the fact that the seven last plagues, and again we we haven't referenced uh, them in that much detail. They're found in Revelation chapter sixteen, and I would encourage people to go and have a read through that chapter to get the details of each plague. But the importance of what we're trying to say today is if we have Jesus, we are not the recipients of the seven last plagues. We are protected from those seven last plagues. It's very clear when you read them that the seven last plagues fall on the lost. They fall on the wicked. They don't fall on the righteous. Mm. And so uh, this is the whole point of God, I think, placing him there is just to say, let me protect you. Let me deliver you. Come to the light because we're going to extinguish the darkness. And so um, I think that there are some other parallels too. If you think about this story of Noah and the flood, Mm. Jesus uh, said in his ministry, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And of course, at the time of Noah, Noah built a boat. He preached for 120 years, built a boat, said, help me build the boat, get on board, there's a flood coming. And then eventually the animals went in, Noah went in, the door was shut, and for seven days, nothing happened. And then mm. Jesus, uh, sorry, then the, the flood came, right? You'd really be wondering, wouldn't you, during there's, those seven yeah, days? <laughs> there's a seven-day period yeah. where decisions have been made. Yeah. You're either inside the ark or outside the, yeah. the ark. The door is shut. Mm. 
Likewise, at the end of time, the Bible tells us that just as uh, there was a flood in the in the time of Noah, Peter tells us this in Second Peter chapter three. He said, "Likewise, today the earth is reserved for a judgment of fire." Mm. And so, before the second coming, there are going to be seven last plagues. So you've got seven days. Then the flood came, seven plagues, then Jesus comes mm. uh, at the end of time. And we, we can uh, actually read that in Second Peter 3.10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And so uh, it's, it's talking about the fire that comes when Jesus returns. So... Knowing that that fire is coming, it reminds me of a story. You know, uh, we're coming into summer, and you, you know, many people will be looking at the fire danger signs that you mm. sometimes see on the side of the road. And we've had some major fires. And we've had in, some major fires in Tasmania, Victoria. yeah, and Victoria as well. As well, and and uh, you know the the, uh, the the latest one I saw, the the most extreme level was catastrophic, which is a very mm. strong word to use. But uh, they're using that word when the conditions are at their, po- their very worst. Mm. And they're basically saying, look, fire danger is catastrophic. You better turn around. Don't go in this direction. You better turn around and, and run from the fire. Well, it reminds me of a story of a farmer who uh, had a, a property. It was in bushfire territory. He and his family had gotten out. But they came back. He came back to examine the damage. And he walked through the ruins of his house, the ashes of his house, it had been burnt down. He went into what was his once backyard. It was all charred and burned. Even the ground was burned. Um, and he went to where the chook pen used to be, and that was all burnt down. And he saw the charred remains of one of his hens. And uh, he was so discouraged, he just kicked out uh, in discouragement and, and kicked away that charred hen. But beneath it, there were four little golden chicks that that hen had protected, that they were alive, mm-hmm. and that hen had protected those chicks under its wings, and it had taken the brunt of the fire in order to preserve the chicks. And it reminds me of a Bible verse that uh, I might get you to read, uh, Jason, and it's in uh, Psalm 91, and this is going to be verse 4 through 10. It's quite a long passage, but it's it's interesting in relation to the seven last plagues. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings he, sh- he shall take you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. All right, so that's a beautiful Bible mm. promise that we can uh, embrace, especially as we think about the seven last plagues. I'm going to finish with one other story um, that illustrates, uh, you know, the plan of salvation as I see it. Back in uh, 2015, there was a an experienced skydiver who was taking a young teenage boy, I think he was 14 years of age, uh, called uh, Elijah Arantz, and he was taking him on a tandem dive. 
Okay, tandem skydive. And they jump out of the plane. They're doing this tandem skydive, the experienced skydiver and the 14-year-old. And they pull the cord. He pulls the cord and it doesn't deploy. And he's trying to sort it out, but it's not, it's not happening. And they are falling to the ground. And he has to think, what am I going to do? And he wraps himself around this experienced skydiver called Antonio Rokov. He wraps himself around this teenage boy and they hit the ground. But the boy survives mm. and the skydiver dies because he is chosen to sacrifice himself in order to save that boy. And I just want to, this was on ABC News back in 2018 because uh, Antonio Rokov had been posthumously honoured with the Star of Courage um, in the latest round of Australian Bravery Awards. Uh, Elijah Arantz said, if it wasn't for his brave act, I wouldn't be here today. He will be remembered by me as a hero for eternity. And I thought, what a wonderful testimony. Uh, and that is really what Jesus has done for us. He has taken the brunt of the wrath of God against sin for us so that we can live and he is our hero for eternity. Mm. So that's it, isn't it? We, uh, the important message is that we need to get with Jesus. He is the only one who can save us. <laughs> Absolutely. Peter, what have you got for us next week, just before I remind our listeners of the book offer again? Well, we may feel like we're already there because we live in Tasmania, but next week we are looking for paradise. What does the Bible say about paradise? What does it say about heaven? Is it a real place? We're going to take a look at what the Bible says uh, about heaven. We're going to The program's called Looking for Paradise. And, of course, if you're in Tasmania, you know that there is a little place called Paradise in northern Tasmania. So, <laughs> But that's not the place we're talking about. And tomorrow we've got David Maxwell, and he'll be talking about reconciliation, talking about our relationship to God and how we can help others with their walk uh, with Jesus as well. So uh, we just thank you for listening today, and we hope you can join us tomorrow. This is It's Time to Get Ready by Malvinus Penland. Sometimes it seems I feel so well We'll keep on going on And I can get so comfortable And make this place my home Remind me, Lord, that there is more Than just the things I see To fix my eyes on Jesus It's time to get ready Today is all that we have We can see the signs are happening Just as the Bible says So don't get caught unaware Now is the time to prepare God is calling me and calling him today to put aside distractions and the things that lead us away to really read our Bibles and devote ourselves to prayer to know our dear